Welcome to the Movie Planet. And joining me today is the free will to my accountability, Steve. Welcome back. It's good to be back. To th- How's your- this is a this is a podcast that I know you've been looking forward to for a long time. It's like when we first started this Jojo or this journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was work. It was building up to this film. This is a film that I think this was like the first Marvel movie. I hate to even hate to say this, Joe. This might be the first one that I actually own. No shit, really. And, uh, yeah, I remember when the movie came out, I didn't see it, and my sister, well, I'll talk about this later, huge comment, She's she gave me the digital copy, she says, Dean, you gotta see this. So, <laughs> well, in case the first you, one that I owned. In case you couldn't tell about the music, this week we're ta- tackling the third movie in the Captain America series, and the 13th in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, lucky number 13, Captain America Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> this is a show that if you've been listening, all along, then you understand the history of this movie. About three and a half years back, JC and I did this movie, and we had our own little mini Civil War, ended up being one of our popular shows. On this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Pantheon. The comic book Movie Planet Preserve is comprised of seven and only seven films, and in order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us. And they are, number one, Deadpool still holding strong at number one with a perfect score. Number two is Iron Man with a perfect score, and number three is The Dark Knight with a perfect score. They're like the tr- they're like the Trinity right now of great comic book movies. Yeah. Then you've got number four with a Batman Begins at an A minus. You have Captain America: The Winter Soldier with a B plus. Marvel's The Avengers with a B plus, and both of those are tied with a digit of ten point five. And then we've got sneaking in at the bottom, Ant Man with a B plus. Right. Oh. No one saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest surprises in my entire time doing this, how much I loved that movie. Oh, I can't wait till we do the Wasp. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the futures. So we would discuss the movie and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast. So if you haven't seen 2016's Captain America Civil War, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've finished that business, let's get down to business. This week, oh, we are discussing 2016's Captain America Civil War, a movie made for a paltry $250 million that brought in a smidge $1.1 billion worldwide. Woo! Is this the is this the first solo movie that's gone over a billion? Well, let's get one thing straight for our viewers: Solo did not do over a billion. No, not Solo, oh. a Star Wars story. <laughs> no, that's Voldemort. It's he we do not speak of. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's as you were saying that quote. You know, whenever I would see a film or hear that a film like went over a billion, my jaw would just drop. Like, wow, a billion dollars, you know, came in worldwide. Now. That's like the standard. That's what like these movies are almost expected to do. And it's like, I'm not even surprised by that anymore. It's kind of sad, isn't it? That it's gotten to the point where unless you make a billion, you failed. Yeah, really. (laughs) It really is. This movie was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who would, who also wrote winter soldier and would go on to write other little films in the MCU, such as eh, infinity war and Endgame. Those are two great films. Yes. Uh, produced by the great and powerful, you want to say his name? The Kevin 
Feige. Kevin Feige. Feige, okay, one and the same. Yes, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo (laughs) with music by Henry Jackman, who also worked on Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So they kept the same themes. They kept the same writers. They want to keep the same flavor. And from what you reviewed earlier, you're happy about that. I'm thrilled by this. Now, this is starring, and I've got these all in all little groups. We've got Team Captain America. Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, the Falcon, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton or Hawkeye, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang or Ant-Man, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff or Scarlet Witch, and Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes and Winter Soldier. Now, I put these in teams for a very specific reason, because their opposites are on Team Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Don Cheadle as James Rhodes, The War Machine, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, The Black Widow, Tom Holland as Peter Parker or Spider-Man, Paul Bettany as Vision, and Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, The Black Panther. And when you look at these two teams and just look at them at just face value, yeah. just like your starting roster, it's like which one is more powerful? I, you know, based on based on their abilities. Okay, so I'm going to say Caps is because they have Scarlet Witch. That's kind of exactly. I mean, her alone. She, yeah, she's just can take off everything. But at the same time, I mean, her 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 uh, the South to her North is on Iron Man, which is Vision. Yeah, I I don't know. I still get I still give the edge to Wanda. But well, no, that's no, very true. If you notice, as I read those. In in sequence is their equal match. Yeah. Caps is Iron Man. Falcons is War Machine. Black Widows is Hawkeye. Spider-Man's is Ant-Man. Scarlet Witch <laughs> is Vision. Yeah. And Winter Soldiers is Black Panther. Yeah, that really is. Okay. Also starring... Your the supporting boy. cast. <laughs> the, yeah, this incredible supporting cast. You got Frank Grillo as Brock Rumlow or Crossbones. You have Alfred Woodard as Miriam Sharp. Hold on a second. Wasn't she Mariah Dillard in Luke Cage? Yeah, I didn't really realize that until you pointed it out in your notes. I was like, way to go, Marvel. You got Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. You got William Hurt coming back since Hulk as Secretary of State Thaddeus Ross. That's he really he hasn't been in since Hulk. No, well, okay. no cameos or nothing. I don't. No, he wasn't. No, because at the end of Hulk, he was in the post credit scene where Tony Stark talks to him. Yeah. But that's it. We've never seen William Hurt since. Oh wow. Yeah, we got John Slattery as Howard Stark, and we got Hope Davis as Marie Stark. I didn't know Tony had a mom. Mm. Uh, uh, Carrie Condon as the voice of Friday. Mer- Martin Freeman, Bilbo as yes. uh, as Everett Ross. No relation to Thaddeus Ross, by the way. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May Parker, uh, jo- oh. John Connie as T'Chaka, and our villain, kinda, Daniel Bruhl as Helmet Zemo, <laughs> and Stan Lee as the FedEx delivery man who gave us Tony Stank. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right, but that's you know, it, it's it's a fantastic cast. You could tell at this point they were like, we could pretty much throw our dart at any actor in Hollywood and they'll want to be in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, let, let's let's get into the making of this gem of a movie. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. 
In March of 2014, Anthony and Joe Russo confirmed that they had signed on to return as directors for a third Captain America film, along with Chris Evans as Captain America, Kevin Feige as producer, and Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely as screenwriters. Now, Marcus and McFeely had been working on the screenplay since late of 2013, while the Russo brothers began work in February of 2014. The rehiring of the directors three months before the release of Captain America The Winter Soldier came as a result of Marvel executives being impressed with test screenings of that film. Evans earned $15 million for that film. In an April 2014 interview, Joe Russo described the project as a continuation of the story from Captain America The Winter Soldier, saying, quote, What's nice about the film is that it's a two-parter. There's a journey that the Winter Soldier goes on that isn't complete yet, end quote. That same month, Marvel announced a release date of May 6, 2016, and Trent Opelok, who was the cinematographer on The Winter Soldier, said he would return for the sequel. In July, Marcus and McFeely stated that they were midway through the first draft of the film on which principal photography was expected to begin in April of 2015. The following month, they stated that they were looking to make the tone of the film an amalgam of the first Avenger and the Winter Soldier, with the Russos likening it to a psychological thriller, citing Seven, Fargo, and The Godfather as influences, along with Westerns and Brian De Palma's films. The Russos also stated that a good portion of Civil War is actually funnier than Winter Soldier, with a more comedic tone and lighter moments throughout. In August of 2014, the Russos stated that the film would be set a couple years after The Winter Soldier and would continue to focus on Steve Rogers' relationship with Bucky Barnes, as well as the political themes related to Captain America. Anthony stated, quote, The character was invented for an explicitly political purpose, so it's hard to get away from that nature, end quote. The Russos also said that they would be bringing some new elements to the table that will give us a twist on Winter Soldier, and indicated that filming was scheduled to begin in Atlanta. They described themselves ecstatic with the first draft of the screenplay submitted by Marcus and McFeely, and also stated that the film's title would be announced in a month, and that the concept and title for the film came from Kevin Feige, who had, for a while, it on tap. In September, Joe Russo expanded by saying the film would have another big idea, quote, that alters the universe as a whole in some way, end quote. Similar to S.H.I.E.L.D. falling in the Winter Soldier. The rest of the film, such as the characters, the story, the tone, it all would be left open to the Russos and the writers' interpretations. By October of 2014, Robert Downey Jr. had entered final negotiations to reprise his role as Tony Stark. Downey was added in order for the film to adapt the 2006-2007 Civil War comic book storyline, which was written by Mark Millar, which pitted Iron Man against Captain America. At the end of the month, it was confirmed that Sebastian Stan would return as Bucky Barnes. And a few days later, Marvel revealed that the film would be titled Captain America Civil War, confirming Downey's appearance and announcing that Chadwick Boseman would appear in the film as Black Panther, ahead of his own solo film. Feige also confirmed that the film would be the first in the MCU's Phase 3 slate of films. Anthony Russo stated that adapting the Civil War storyline was not always the intended storyline and direction for the film when the brothers initially signed on to return as directors. Marcus expanded on this, saying the original concept for a third Captain America film never got to draft, with Feige at some point telling the writing team to begin adapting Civil War around their original ideas. 
McFeely also added that despite the shift in direction for the film, the central theme, even the way Zemo is operating, are from that early iteration. The Russos revealed that had negotiations with Robert Downey Jr. to appear in the film failed, they would have used the Mad Bomb storyline from the Captain America comics, which was eventually used as a plot point in the first season of the Agent Carter TV series. The premise for the film would have centered on Zemo, detonating the Mad Bomb, which would turn hordes of people into berserkers to present a physical threat to Captain America, while still pitting heroes against each other, as some would be zombified due to the Mad Bomb to satisfy an emotional component for the film. McFeely said that the idea of basing a film on Civil War had been on and off the table for a while at Marvel Studios, explaining, quote, it's a challenge to do it and make sure that all the characters that we've established and everyone's established in the MCU are serviced and sound correct. Because there's a difference between the characters in Civil War, which was written in 2006 and 2007. The MCU doesn't exist when it was written. There isn't a Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans who has helped create the character, so we need to make sure that that template gets adjusted. End quote. Now, Joe Russo added that the essence of Civil War was used, such as the concept of registration, the notion that heroes need to be either monitored or controlled because their power can be scary, being applicable. Anthony Russo expanded, saying, quote, In a lot of ways, superhero registration can be a political issue, and we didn't want the conflict of the movie to solely exist on that level. We wanted to figure out very personal reasons why everyone's relationship to this idea of registration is going to become complicated. That's what the relationship between Steve and Bucky allowed us to do, to get very personal in terms of why people would lean one way or the other, end quote. Executive producer Nate Moore added that it felt like it was kind of the right time to adapt Civil War again, given the uh, Avengers plus many of the Phase 2 films like Thor The Dark World, The Winter Soldier, and Avengers Age of Ultron. All, they all dealt with world-ending experiences. He said, quote, We felt like we had to tell the next step in that story, which is, what is the world's reaction? Now we get to the Spider-Man drama. Following the November 2014 hacking of Sony Pictures computers, emails between Sony Pictures Entertainment co-chairman Amy Pascal and President Doug Belgrade were released stating that Marvel wanted to include Spider-Man, whose film rights were licensed to Sony in the film. But talks between the studios concerning this were believed to have broken down. However, in February of 2015, just a few months later, Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios reached a licensing deal for the use of Spider-Man in an MCU film, and reports indicated that the character would indeed appear in Civil War. The Russos stated that they were lobbying for months to include the character in the film, so they finally got what they wanted. In January of 2015, Anthony Mackie revealed that, in addition to Atlanta, filming locations would include Puerto Rico and Berlin, while the Russo brothers confirmed that Scarlett Johansson would return in the film as Natasha Romanoff. In March 2015, Jeremy Renner was revealed to be reprising his role as Clint Barton, and the next month, it was revealed that Daniel Bruhl would be playing the villain Helmut Zemo. Additionally, Elizabeth Olsen revealed she would reprise her role in the film as Wanda Maximoff. Now, if you're wondering where Nick Fury is in all this, this is this part. In early May, Marvel announced that Martin Freeman, Paul Bettany, Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, Scott, uh, uh, Emily Van Camp, William Hurt, they were all returning to reprise their roles. Samuel L. Jackson, who appeared as Nick Fury in the two previous Captain America films, said he was surprised to discover that he was not 
in Captain America Civil War after the Russo brothers told him he was. Executive producer Nate Moore stated that Fury was not included, quote, because he didn't add anything to the Civil War story they were telling, while Marcus McFeely stated that they did not want him to choose any particular side because that's just not his place in this universe. After the reveal of the film's cast, many outlets and fans began referring to the film as Avengers 2.5, given the variety and ensemble nature of the cast, usually reserved for the Avengers films, and the fact that the film no longer felt like a Captain America-centric one, as with The Winter Soldier. In response to this, Kevin Feige said, quote, What's fun about Civil War, though, is, as you know from the comics, it's a very simple story, and it really has to be to accommodate that many players. It's very much a Captain America movie, and it's very much a sequel to The Winter Soldier in ways I don't think people will expect. It's a very simple structure that allows you to have these amazing character interactions in a way that I don't think becomes overwhelming, end quote. At the end of May, the Russo brothers, along with Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, held a screen test in Atlanta for six teenage actors that were being eyed for the role of Peter Parker, with the actors testing against Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans for chemistry. Tom Holland was cast as the character the next month to also appear in a solo film. The Russos were pretty vocal about who we wanted for the part, according to them, pushing to cast an actor close to the age of Peter Parker in the comics in order to differentiate from the previous portrayals. They also loved that Holland had background in dance and gymnastics. At the time, Marvel did not confirm his involvement in Civil War due to being contractually obligated not to talk about his inclusion publicly. The Russos discussed this, saying that they were that the various business deals and agreements stemming from the sharing of the characters' rights, such as on a promotional and com- commercial level, quote, were always lagging slightly behind how we were using the character. We were always in danger of upsetting the deal. There were still sensitive issues going on between the two studios that they needed to agree on, end quote. However... Howland was confirmed to appear in the film in July of 2015 by Jonathan Goldstein, one of the writers of the solo Spider-Man film. Anthony Russo stated that despite Marvel telling them to have a plan B should the deal with Sony fail, the Russos never created one because, quote, it was very important to us to reintroduce Spider-Man into the film, adding, we only have envisioned the movie with Spider-Man. In February, Freeman's character, Martin Freeman's character, was revealed to be Everett K. Ross, and Gwyneth Paltrow was reported to have joined the film for the January reshoots, reprising her role as Pepper Potts. However, in April 2016, it was revealed that Paltrow does not appear in the film, with Anthony Russo explaining that Paltrow's contract with Marvel had ended after Iron Man 3, and quote, We decided early on that we could make Pepper's breakup with Tony Stark have an emotional impact without actually having a scene with her, end quote. On March 16th, 2016, the Russo stated the film was about a week and a half away from completion, with Joe adding that the film would have a post-credit scene with the possibility for two or three total. The film was completed on April 4th, 2016. Later in April, Alfred Woodard and Jim Rash were revealed to be cast in the film, while Kevin Feige explained that Black Panther director Ryan Coogler contributed some dialogue for Black Panther in several scenes during reshoots. At the film's premiere, it was revealed that Marissa Tomei appears in the film as Aunt May Parker.
Okay, so Steve, that's the making of the movie. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? What did you think? And please give me the two words I've been longing to hear since last week. <laughs> so the first time I saw this was on my Joe journey. There they are. At home. At home. Yeah. My sister, you know, she's a huge comic book fan. Um, she absolutely loved the movie. She's the one that gave me this digital copy to this one. And I, but I was very confused when I first saw it. Okay. Um, the, the ending threw me for some weird reason. I don't know. It's, it's almost like I, I, I definitely had to see it twice. But that might have been because I missed some of the films in between. Okay. I don't even know if this was even the first. This couldn't have been the first Marvel movie I saw. I don't think so. But I definitely had missed some things prior to that. It's a hell of one to start with if it is. Oh, yeah. I think that's it, this might have been the one that officially got me hooked on the whole Marvel gig. And this might have been part of the initiative, what started yep. the Joe journey. Okay. You know, because I think I eventually talked to you about this one or talked to you about, hey, what's this Marvel property? Oh, this is the order you need to see them. You know, I call this the Joe journey. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll start it. All right, sweet. <laughs> I, did, I <laughs> coin, you? did I coin the term? Yeah, you should. <laughs> I had an early ticket to see it, and I went alone, and I loved it. JC did not know I saw it the night before. The next night, I took JC. <laughs> And when the movie ended, he looked at me and said, I hated it. And, <laughs> and our civil war began. Here we go. A clip from the movie Civil War. So let's say we agree to this thing. How long is it going to be before they lowjack us like a bunch of common criminals? 117 countries want to sign this. 117, Sam. And you're just like, no, that's cool. We got How long it. are you going to play both sides? I have an equation. Oh. Oh, this will clear it up. In the eight years since Mr. Stark announced himself as Iron Man, the number of known enhanced persons has grown exponentially. And during the same period, the number of potentially world-ending events has risen at a commensurate rate. He's saying it's our fault? I'm saying there may be a causality. Our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict. In conflict breeds catastrophe, oversight. Oversight is not an idea that can be dismissed out of hand. Boom. Tony, you're being uncharacteristically non-hyperverbal. It's because he's already made up his mind. Boy, you know me so well. Actually, I'm nursing an electromagnetic headache. That's what's going on, Cap, it's just pain. It's discomfort. Who's putting coffee grounds in the disposal? Am I running a bed and breakfast for biker gang? Oh, that's Charles Spencer, by the way. He's a great kid. Computer engineering degree, 3.6 GPA. Had a floor level gig, an Intel plan for the fall. But first, he wanted to put a few miles on his soul before he parked it behind a desk, see the world, maybe be of service. Charlie didn't want to go to Vegas or Fort Lauderdale, which is what I would do. He didn't go to Paris or Amsterdam, which sounds fun. He decided to spend his summer building sustainable housing for the poor guess where, Sokovia. He wanted to make a difference, I suppose. I mean, we won't know, because we dropped a building on him while we were kicking ass. There's no decision-making process here. 
We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. If we can't accept limitations, we're boundaryless. We're no better than the bad guys. Tony, if someone dies on your watch, you don't give up. Who said we're giving up? We are for not taking responsibility for our actions. This document just shifts the blame. I'm sorry, Steve, that, that is dangerously arrogant. This is the United Nations we're talking about. It's not the World Security Council. It's not S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not Hydra. No, but it's run by people with agendas, and agendas change. That's good. That's why I'm here. When I realized what my weapons were capable of in the wrong hands, I shut it down and stopped manufacturing. Tony, you chose to do that. If we sign this, we surrender our right to choose. But if this panel sends us somewhere we don't think we should go, what if there's somewhere we need to go and they don't let us? We may not be perfect, but the safest hands are still our own. If we don't do this now, it's gonna be done to us later. That's the fact. That won't be pretty. You're saying they'll come for me. We would protect you. Maybe Tony's right. If we have one hand on the wheel, we can still see her. If we take it Aren't off. Aren't you the same woman who told the government to kiss her ass a few years ago? I'm just, I'm reading the terrain. We have made some very public mistakes. We need to win their trust back. Focus up. I'm sorry, did I just mishear you or did you agree with me? Oh, I want to take it back. No, 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 you can't retract it. Thank you. Unprecedented. In 1991, Hydra operatives inside the Russian armed forces traveled to their Siberian facility and revived the Winter Soldier from a cryogenic state. After using a set of conditioned trigger words to ensure the Winter Soldier's loyalty, Vasily Karpov orders him to intercept an automobile and execute its occupants. Now, right away, I like the tone of this movie because it is Captain America again. Yeah, it starts off with kind of a view of, you know, the icy Russia thing. And I'm just like, well, just like Winter Soldier. Yep. It's in the winter time. Oh, you know. I want to bet they did those parallels on purpose. Probably. You know, you know, plus, you know, when you think of, you know, a militaristic spyish type film, mm-hmm. you know, it usually tends to involve Russia. Yes. It tends to involve, you know, anything European, I guess you should, you could say. But it's very cold. <laughs> it's very calculated. It's very organized, you know, and that's exactly what this film starts off as. Yeah, so, I, I agree. And I don't know if you remember, but everyone went bananas. Uh, when they heard that the code words were revealed for this movie, and one of them was homecoming, because no, at I that just time, never thought of that. It was, I thought they were just random words. Yeah, at that time, they had announced that Spider-Man would be getting his movie. They didn't say he'd be in this movie yet. They said he'd be getting a movie, and it'd be called Homecoming. And so when it was revealed early before the movies came out what the code words were, one of them was homecoming. People were like, "Oh my God, Winter Soldier's got something to do with Spider-Man." But yeah, that went over my head. It, I, would think that's just like a coincidence. That was kind of at the zenith of when Marvel fans became Star Wars fans, where every little detail we picked it apart and came up with our own theories and got pissed off when we were wrong. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, he okay. So Winter Soldier intercepts this this car, opens up the trunk, and there's little blue packets. Steve, is this super serum? More serum. Yes. Everybody gets serum. You get serum and you get serum. Everybody gets some serum. I totally forgot about this one until I watched it again. I was like, oh, Yep. See, anybody could have it. You could do anything that anybody does. You can always relate it back to maybe he's got some serum in him. I don't know. But it's also funny because I don't think anyone remembers this part of the storyline that there were other winter soldiers. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think well, that's why I thought it was kind of good that they 
brought it into play. Yeah. In the present time, approximately one year after the Ultron offensive, public opinion of the Avengers has become increasingly divided due to the events of New York, Washington, D.C., and Sokovia. Gee, I can't imagine why, Steve. After Winter Soldier, they pretty, or after Age of Ultron, they pretty much leveled every city they attended. It wasn't good, guys. No, it was, it was a bad, bad look. The team, which now consists of Steve Rogers, Natasha Romanoff, Sam Wilson, and Wanda Maximoff, learn that former Hydra sleeper agent Brock Rumlow plans to steal a biological chemical weapon from the Institute of Infectious Diseases in Lagos, Nigeria. After being cornered, Rumlow attempts to commit suicide with a bomb vest, trying to take Rogers with him in an act of revenge. Maximoff contains the explosion, but she loses control of her powers and inadvertently destroys a nearby building, killing several relief aid workers from Wakanda. This is an awesome scene. I, I love the way it starts, to, it starts and it feels like just like a training exercise for Wanda because she's clearly the greenest of the group. But, yeah, doesn't this kind of start like when they're all like, sitting at like some little cafe and they're all just talking to each other via, you know, telecom or something like that. Yeah. And they're questioning like, what do you see? And well, I see this, I see this. This is where her Russian accent is here. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see it in there. And there she's like, Oh, you know, you know, I can move things with my mind. You know that, right? I honestly, I love this whole team. I, this team I could see as like, Oh, the Avengers are gone. This is the next group. I would watch this group as an Avengers movie series. Yeah. They work very well together. And this isn't the first time we've seen cap kind of take a group and kind of start off a mission like this. It's, it's kind of a kind of, it's a slow build to the ultimate action sequences. Yes. And yeah, I like that too as well. And it's interesting when you think about the fact that at the end of age of Ultron, they were tinkering with the idea of, you know how when all the characters show up in the Avengers facility when he's about to say Avengers Assemble and he doesn't say it? Yes. Yeah. This The part of Scarlet Witch in that, I don't know if you uh, listened to when I recorded the behind the scenes. The original scene was, it wasn't Scarlet Witch that flies in. It was going to be Captain Marvel that f- flies in, and that was going to be her first introduction. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they didn't do that. Because it would have changed this whole scene altogether because it's like, well, they, you don't even need the team. You have Captain Marvel. It's over. Yeah, I'm glad they stuck with the Scarlet Witch kind of storyline. I I think I'm glad the way that they introduced Captain Marvel, but that will be another podcast. Yes, it will. Uh, We get crossbones. This is a bad mother. (laughs) Oh, hell yes. And I remember the first time that I saw this, I was very confused on like, where the heck did this guy come from? Even when he took off his mask and kind of revealed who he was. Yeah, I still didn't even know who it was prior to that. It wasn't until the second time that I saw I was like, Oh, he had a building dropped on him. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Hence the disfiguration. Yes. That, that should do it to you. Yeah. But but he's also got like mil, like mechanical enhancements. He, yeah. He's and, beating the shit out of Cap. <laughs> well, yeah, he needs that to be able to step up to him. And I really kind of got a gauge for what those really did. And it made sense because I play a lot of, you know, contest of champions oh, you know, yes. on, uh, on my phone. So, uh, Crossbones is like one of my favorite characters on that, and all the things that he does with the Will Dutch's arms is just really cool. So to actually see that on film, live action was even was really cool. They did a very good job of that. A few other things I wrote down, uh, you know, having Wanda Maximoff and her powers on a team almost feels like cheating. <laughs> just yeah, because yeah, she could just do anything. Yeah, yeah, she she's clearly the most powerful of everybody. Falcon's fighting style is awesome. There's flying, kicking, shooting. I just like the way that he's able to move his body around when he's flying to do all this stuff. 
Yeah, he's probably done some intense individual training of him just trying to figure out his suit and all the little intricates that he can. He's a definite pro with that stuff. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Hey, I'm sorry. It wouldn't be a Black Widow fight if she didn't wrap her legs around someone's neck and throw him to the ground. <laughs> this is still my girl. This is still my girl. Um, I feel like she changed her look yet again. Yes. It's like every cat movie, she changes her look. It looks like she's back to the original kind of sultry kind of Black Widow. Yep. Except her hair is straight. It's not those uh, locks from the um, from Iron Man. Right. But ah, uh, yes. No, still this is, love her. This is still the, love her. This is the Black Widow look that we saw in Winter Soldier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like her hair was shorter then, but uh, well, maybe it was. <laughs> Anything else in the scene you want to go into? Yeah, I was really I when I first saw that the crossbones was there. The first time again I saw it, I was really confused with who this guy was. But the second time I was like, okay, this is sweet. Now we got crossbones. And then he just left. He got eliminated <laughs> from the film. And I was like, that's kind of a little bit of a shame yeah. that he went so early. Um, I think he could have been like a little mini villain within this film towards Cap because he had such a vendetta against him. So I think he could have had a little bit better of a role in this film as opposed to just going within the first 15, 20 minutes. Well, hey, you know, it also, they probably were just moving him out of the way for a much bigger and more powerful villain. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I still liked him. Okay, here we go. We're going to go to MIT now. At MIT, Tony Stark demonstrates BARF, B-A-R-F, a piece of technology aimed to recreate and relive old memories and follows with a speech where he introduces a grant being awarded to all students, giving them all the proper funding to move forward with their own inventions and ideas because Tony Stark has unlimited funds. Before leaving the stage, he is shaken when the outdated autocue makes reference to Pepper Potts, whom he has broken up with over his refusal to give up being Iron Man. Outside, he is confronted by a grieving mother whose son was killed in the battle with Ultron in Sokovia, whose story shakes Stark. De-aging technology again, and this time it's an RDJ, and wow, he looks just like he did in the 80s. <laughs> it, it is absolutely amazing what they did with him in this film. I couldn't, I couldn't tell it. what his age was supposed to be. He looked like he was like in his freshman year of college. Yeah. <laughs> he looked better than the young Michael Douglas that we saw in Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He, it, was, it was, it was beautiful. It, I was. It, it, then, then they have him seamless. do a close up, which is not something you want to do when you do this stuff. Do a close up, and it still looks good. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, I gotta say something though yeah. before we even continue on. Barf. I'm sorry. These writers are absolutely <laughs> amazing. Barf. A piece of technology aimed to recreate and relive old memories. Because there's so many times that <laughs> we've had these instances when, you know, in college or, you know, young adult life where we have a little bit too much, you know, here and there. And then we, you know, relive those bad decisions, those old memories later on through barf. And it's like, oh, God, this is just great. This is like classic writing. And that's what makes the Marvel Universe and their writers so amazing. Not only is this yeah. overall story awesome, but just those little intricate details that they put in the film. It's it's flawless. It's great. No, it's I great. It. It's kind of funny because the technology barf, it's kind of a throwaway line. Like he says what it's called and he goes, or B-A-R-F, barf. I got to change the name of that. 
Yeah, exactly. And then we find out the reason for that that line itself is because he's not the one that created it. It's one of his underlings that did, and we find about that later on in Spider-Man Far From Home. I put Homecoming. It's in Far From Home, and we'll get into that when we do Far From Home. Oh, good, because I didn't even notice that. Thank you. This is the first time we have even heard mention of Tony's mom. Yeah, he was very attached to his dad. Like, you've never heard about his mom, ever. I think he just maybe just assumed that he was there, but I don't know. I guess back then he was, yeah. It's gonna I guess he, you just could assume that he had two parents, but his mom just was never involved. Maybe that was just a sore subject for him, which I guess we learned that kind of is. Well, yeah, but at the same time, it's like you've had you've had 12 movies and you've built up the Tony versus Howard shadow deal. And this movie is going to basically pivot on not not that, but his mom. I think that's what kind of sends him over the edge later on is when they see his mom. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, okay, Tony and Pepper aren't a thing anymore. Any? What? Why? Any? I think we don't find out I, for another like hour in this movie. Yeah, and I think that's what was like the first thing that was so confusing. You know, when I first watched this, I'm like, wait a minute, these two aren't together. Why? So we're just kind of there, sitting there speculating. In the back of your mind, like yeah. why are these these two would have been so close for all through these films, and all of a sudden boom, dropped off the face of the earth. Like, uh, what happened? Yeah, because the last time we saw her was Iron Man three, and they had gone through a rough patch in that movie, and then they got back on track. Well, it, it, Iron Man three was a rough film, so I don't know. I don't blame her, but I, I mean, he no. think about this: he healed her from the extremis, he pulled the the the, the thing out of his chest, and got himself rehealed. What more's the guy got to do? Uh, I, I don't know. He probably should have got the right strawberries. Oh, that was it. It was the strawberries. <laughs> it was the strawberries. Right. So, uh, okay. One month after the incident in Lagos in their headquarters, the Avengers are visited by Stark and Secretary of State Thaddeus Ross waiting for them. Ross explains that due to the events of Lagos, the United Nations has decided they can no longer be allowed to operate privately. To that end, it has been decided that the Avengers will sign the Sokovia Accords, which will establish an international panel to control the Avengers movements as well as monitor and police the rapidly growing number of enhanced individuals. Ross states that refusing to sign the Accords will be seen as an act of resignation. I love that the Avengers facility is like a dormitory. (laughs) And that Vision clearly has boundary issues because he's an AI and he doesn't know any better. Yeah, he's just going through walls, and he doesn't understand what doors mean and knocking and whatnot. No, that's I, it's funny that they give him a little bit of humor through this. Yeah, there's a line that Thaddeus Ross says that's going to bite continuity in the rear end later on. He says they were unconcerned about what they leave behind in regards to destruction, but when we watch Spider-Man: Homecoming, it's revealed that Tony Stark had created a cleanup crew to help rebuild after the Battle of New York and any other destruction. So, oops. Okay. That's an oopsie. You know, know, and I talked very highly of these writers, too. Not like more like five minutes ago. So now that you mention this, this is like, okay, guys. Okay, but is that on the writers of this movie and Infinity War and... uh, Age of Ultra, an Age of Ultra, Infinity War and Endgame, or is it on the writer of Spider-Man: Homecoming who didn't do his homework? I would like to believe that <laughs> Kevin Feige Feige. doesn't make those kind of mistakes. <laughs> okay, that's um, a Feige moment. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, <clears throat> where do you stand on the Sokovia Accords? Would you sign these if you were an Avenger? 
you know, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. This this is the start of the beginning where the, the movie actually starts to really get me to think. And I talk about that later. It's kind of, it's sad, you know, when you got all these mega action films, probably especially like your Arnold films where, yep. or your Terminator, you know, all those things. Oh, yeah. It's very sad, but this film actually recognizes the fact that there is collateral damage. Yep. Um, it really humanizes these Avengers movies. I mean, they kind of do that already because the public eye knows who the Avengers are. I think that's really, really cool. They're just not something cosmic or hidden from the public eye. Yeah. So I'm really glad that the film really starts to address collateral damage in this film because, yeah, what they did. I mean, they dropped the city. They did. <laughs> I can't solely believe that there was zero casualties or zero injured when a city was dropped down on the face of the earth. But I thought they the saved whole... everybody with the helicarrier that showed up. I get that. But you're telling me that they did they do roll call? <laughs> you know, to make sure that everybody was there. You know, did they have a checklist? No. You know, they just try to get off as many people at a time on a time limit. In New York, the same thing. There's so much collateral damage that went through that. And, you know, they didn't evacuate New York. Right. It's absolutely insane. So I'm kind of glad that they kind of humanize this and bring this more into the public eye from that perspective. And this really, I mean, this is when this is the seed that divides the team. Oh, yes. This is this the is beginning the initial, right here. This is the initial moment. But, Steve, you didn't answer my question. Would you <sighs> sign these if you were an Avenger? I think I would. Uh, I think if I were to sign it right then and there, that would be like an impulse buy. I think I'd have to do my research and really read the fine print. So you would read I don't, through the book. I don't know. I, w I would read it. I think I would. If they told me you need to sign right now. I probably would say no. Okay. Let me try a different question since you're trying to tap dance around this one. <laughs> okay. Would you want the government in control of when you go out to save the world? No. There you go. Steve would not sign the accords. <sighs> there it is. That's, no. that, that's it. That, that's, that's the rationale behind it. It's a very simple one. Me, I agree with you, Steve. I would not, because I think you and I both know that could last three months, six months, as people debate back and forth. Do we need them? Do we not? The number of people who are dying over and over and over based on something like that. You don't have time for bureaucracy. Think about this. This is not a world without armies. This is not a world without militaries. The Avengers are used in the worst case possible scenario for most of the time. Because otherwise, yeah. wars are fought with their militaries. Yeah, we're brought in the event. We're the Avengers are brought we in. We are, Steve. We are Avengers. Like, uh, no, we're tapping out on this one. Okay, guys, you go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, retired Karpov is ambushed by Helmut Zemo, who asks him for information regarding the 1991 mission. Karpov refuses, forcing Zemo to kill him. Okay, so Helmut Zemo definitely has the vocal tenor of a villain. He's raspy. Uh, I like the sink torture. That would really mess me up a little bit. Dude, that is that 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 was psychotic. Yeah, that is. Oh, and we that's also like the know Chinese water torture. This is a new villain. Zemo doesn't work for Hydra. He's is he going rogue? You know, it's interesting that you've already identified him as a villain. Well, have I? You, I said, said? He, I said he had the vocal tenor of a villain. 
And you said after that, you know, as a villain, does he work for Hydra? Is he going rogue? You kind of did a little bit, a little bit. Well, I misspoke because I actually wrote. So does so Zemo doesn't work for Hydra. So maybe I just got ahead of myself. But you know what? Maybe. Let's call him a villain just for the sake of your villain analysis later. <laughs> I go. No, I'll, I'll walk into this this trap you're trying to set. The team is divided over the act. Stark supports government oversight because he feels guilty for his role in creating Ultron and the devastation Ultron caused. He also feels that the Avengers need to take more responsibility for the consequences of their actions, as he did when he discovered Stark Industries was secretly shipping weapons to Ten Rings. Oh. However, Rogers worries that the Avengers may be compromised if it comes under the control of a nefarious third party, such as the infiltration of S.H.I.E.L.D. by HYDRA. I like how Tony Stark is taking this whole thing to heart because he doesn't have Pepper anymore. So he's completely seeing himself through his Iron Man persona now. That's all it is now. Yeah. One person kind of triggered that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting. And, you know, as you read that, I was like, oh, now I get Iron Man sign. I t- it's, yeah. th- th- this is completely conflicting me. Yeah. I mean, I totally... I totally respect the fact that they do need to be accountable for their actions. They do need to be, I don't want to say private. They, they do need to be They need to take more responsibility for this. Thing. A little bit. But yeah. I, 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 dude, I, I'm, I, I'm having a civil war with myself right now. And I think that's the brilliance of the writing of this movie. But Cap puts a, a point on this, which is right, in his perspective, which is people with agendas and agendas change. And nobody would know this better than Captain America over this past two movies. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, over his whole entire, since World War II until Frozen all the way till now. Yeah. The agendas that were so different back then to what he had to realize and change himself now. And that's what makes me go, you know what? I'm kind of on Cap's side on this one because if I was in his position, I would also be like, dude, you don't know the government the way that I know them. You know, you sat in front of a, a Senate hearing once and told them all you'd privatized peace. and now you want to give them control of that privatization? This, oh my God, yeah, this is getting, this might be changing my grade. Oh, the more oh. I'm thinking about. This. Oh boy, Jeez, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know. Let's let's. Okay. Ugh. Rogers learns that Peggy Carter has passed away in her sleep and abruptly leaves for her funeral in London. While there, he learns Sharon Carter was Peggy's great niece as she delivers a eulogy about how one should never back down from what they believe in. This solidifies Roger's resolve not to sign the accords. Oh, that hottie down the hall was his old girlfriend's niece, Steve Rogers, you dog. I'm sitting here holding back laughter because (laughs) when they finally see her come up, it's isn't it Steve Rogers? Is is Falcon there too? Yeah, Sam's next to him. Yeah, they both like they're both jaws just go. Oh, <laughs> I could just envision that envision that in my head. It was so funny. Yeah, I like that Widow and Falcon showed up to the funeral, but I really wish we would have seen more Avengers there supporting their friend Steve Rogers. It surprises well, who, me that you didn't see who else more. Would you have there? Well, you could have had Vision there. You could have had uh, Scarlet Wh- uh, Scarlet Witch. You could have had T- Tony. Could have been there. Uh, I don't understand why it's just because I think we needed one more moment to see that. Look, we all support each other as friends, but what's going to break even that friendship apart? That would have made the divide a lot more powerful. Yeah, it but really they, would. But they only they're had still on the same Sam. side, sort of. 
and my thinking is that the reason why they didn't do it with all of them is because then it's officially an Avengers movie, and they wanted to keep it a Captain America movie, and the Captain America players are Cap, Falcon, Black Widow, and from Winter Soldier, Sharon Carter. So it's it's the it, those were the main players in that original. Oh yeah. So I think they kept it small for that, but I really it would have been really cool to see all of them in that scene because that would have been it would have been interesting to see them all supporting them in moments of death because you have one here and then you have one later on in Endgame when they're at that funeral. So you would have preferred you you would have preferred to see more of his team, even though you made a very good logical reason on why they weren't there. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, I am a Civil War, Steve. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. In Vienna, where the signing of the Accords is to take place, a terrorist bomb kills King T'Chaka of Wakanda. When security cameras reveal the suspect as Bucky Barnes, T'Chaka's son, T'Challa, vows revenge. Against Romanoff's advice, Rogers and Wilson decide to go behind Ross's back and bring in Barnes themselves. Following a tip-off by Sharon Carter and a grueling chase... Barnes is captured, and Rogers, Wilson, and T'Challa are arrested for obstruction of justice. Black Panther, welcome to the MCU, you bad motherfucker. Yeah, he is a complete badass. And again, I think this is why the first time I saw this, I was so confused. I'm like, what is this? What, 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 King Kukanda? Yeah. That's probably what I was thinking the first time. It's like, how does this all mix in? Again, not I think there was a couple films that I had missed, you know, prior to even watching this, probably Age of Ultron, because that's when Wakanda and you know is yeah. all introduced. But even I think what Iron Man was it when they uh it was Fury and Iron Man talking at the end where they even mentioned Wakanda for the first time. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I never even that flew right over my head or I just never saw it. So again, I was super confused the first time I saw it, but when I saw it again, I knew all this stuff. I was like, yeah, this is really cool now. <laughs> there, there, and here's the thing. I don't want to go off on a black Panther tangent here, but there is nothing about this character that isn't cool. He has the coolest accent in the entire universe. Yeah. And it, he at least maintains it. He, thank you. That's he, good. He maintains his accent. <laughs> his suit is made of vibranium. He, he's com- he's bulletproof from top to bottom, Steve. <laughs> he's yeah. got claws made of vibranium, and he is enhanced. Not with a serum, we found out, but from a flower later on. Oh, that is just cute. It's adorable. Okay. Uh, hey, that was one hell of an explosion that came from that van, Steve. <laughs> Shabooey, yeah. That was... Uh... <laughs> Kabam! That, yeah, that took out. What the heck was in there? I don't know, but it took <laughs> out like a building. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> anything you want to say about Black Panther? I saw you wrote something there. What's that say? No, yeah, I mean, he, he's really, really cool. And I guess, well, you kind of maybe debunked this statement a little bit, but the fact that he could just, you know, on how he's trained himself and everything that he's done, and we learned that more in Black Panther. Yeah. The fact that he stops all of these bullets with his hands. Like Darth is Vader. So, yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> he's but what so the cool. heck, Shooter? You know, <laughs> what the heck? This is just, like, absolutely crazy insane. Do you think his suit would stop the chain gun that was shooting at Black Widow when Hulk was protecting her? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it should. It's vibranium. Yeah. You know, it should stop all those bullets. But, you know, it's not like he's creating like a force field around them like, you know, yeah. Wanda could. I don't know. Uh, when T'Challa says he'll kill Bucky himself, I actually believe that he will. Even the actor. I think Chadwick Boseman will actually kill Sebastian Stan. Oh, yeah. And the training itself, I agree. Because, I mean, T'Challa, or he has martial arts background oh yeah you know you take away any kind of a gun or his heck his arm what does he got yeah what does winter soldier have meanwhile zemo's hanging out in a hotel he's hanging he's practicing code words and he's clearly learning them to activate the winter soldier but is that a bomb hiding in his closet how did he get that in the hotel yeah he must have like deep i don't know like took that apart himself and then just built it right (laughs) there in the uh hotel he shawshanked it put took like a little piece at a time up there and put it together well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know, because that's one, you got to take it in there. And two, you just can't, like, carry a bomb through the freaking building. I mean, it would be a little noticeable. Yeah. You and I talked about this this one scene, though, and that was the stairwell scene when Cap meets Bucky. Yes. Uh, and we mentioned the Daredevil hallway scene we were talking about. And I was like, I think the stairwell scene is on its equal. And you were like, no, no, no. The, dare, the Daredevil stairwell scene is amazing. Uh, having seen this for the show now, do you still believe the Daredevil one is better? You know what? I think I'd have to see the Daredevil one again. Okay. I would probably give a notch to the Daredevil because he's doing that by himself, and it's just like jaw-dropping on what he can do. Yeah. Um, it's more martial art. Like Daredevil and Black Panther, they're equal in my eyes. Oh. The only thing I would give Black Panther the nod is because he has the vibranium aspect. Yes. But Daredevil is just – he's my – C-list character. He's by my all-time favorite. <laughs> You'll notice also they all they're they're everybody's fighting style is completely different. Like Caps is very much like he's got short moves that are about power. Bucky punches people and they're knocked out. Mm-hmm. Like he's all power all the time. And there's a shot where Bucky punches Cap into somebody else and takes them both out. And I'm just like, where was this Bucky in the last movie? Yeah, well, I mean, was he wasn't really he was always always fighting against Cap, right? He wasn't really fighting with other I don't know military around him, you know. Yeah. Uh, did you notice no, that when, when Black Panther runs, he doesn't make any sound? No, I didn't even notice that, and that makes it even cooler. I know. Uh, <sighs> and dude, Bucky just grabbed that dude's motorcycle like it was nothing. <laughs> Yeah, my jaw dropped. It was so sweet. <laughs> I mean, it just shows that his arm is literally his superpower. He can yes. do so much with that thing. And I kind of like, I want to know more about just his arm in general. I think I'm starting to like Bucky right now because oh, yeah. how awesome he is. Uh, and I, I joked with you before. I was like, Bucky might be the most pitiful character in the entire MCU because he never has a heroic moment. That was a pretty cool shot right there. <laughs> that was awesome. That yeah. was one, one of his best shots. I agree. Wanda Maximoff finds herself confined to the facility by Vision, ostensibly for her safety, since emotions are running high after what happened in Lagos. And I guess if you're a super enhanced AI, you can start to put together what feelings are. yeah well he doesn't kind of know what they are so it's he's learning them on the go this is where we see wanda's accent go in and out (laughs) dude i totally got this why i mean you can't sit there and tell me that nobody in the before this film was released saw that yes it's like what was the reason for it that that, i think they honestly did that for a reason i just want to know why and again i think this is 
Well, and you said it earlier. This is where the Marvel Universe really started to turn into Star Wars fans and start nitpicking and <laughs> questioning everything. Right. And I think that's what we're doing right now with this. But it, they, I mean, I guarantee Kevin Page will go, oh, well, I, I guess she's over in America more than, you know, you tend to lose your accent a little bit. That might be it. You know, yeah, I, I guarantee that would probably be his answer. It probably would be. But at the same time, it was going in and out like that. And it goes from super thick to not so there to super thick again. They could fix that in ADR afterwards. Like they just they could just redub it over what she's saying. So I did, I think there's an editing issue right there. They had an editing issue with Wanda in this. That or they just did it to just mess with their fans even more. Probably. Speaking of messing <laughs> with people's minds, oh, the Mind Stone gave Wanda her abilities when it was the staff. Well, that explains why Vision and Wanda are so close now. The same stone created both of them. Uh, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense now. Yes. I they, never even thought about that because what was it in uh, oh, Age of Ultron? Yeah. You know, in the very beginning. They, they, they had the staff and they were experimenting on the twins with the staff. So that staff also gave Quicksilver his speed. Yeah. Well, there Interesting. You go. That, man, that scepter can do a whole lot. Yeah. It's amazing what it can actually create. Um, I got to talk about vision. For yeah, a by all means. <laughs> I love the fact that I love his cooking. You know, I love the fact that he's so literal on everything <laughs> that he does. Um, like when he walks it, through it, her it, wall. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely priceless, you know, and um, you can definitely see a relationship building between those two. This is the beginning of that where, yes, you know, it's almost like they're kind of and a little mini like first date kind of thing. Right. You know, in that dormitory that you talked about, it's like, Oh, you know, the sauce tastes very good. Oh, maybe that a little bit of this. And it wasn't really good to begin with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I, I, I love the chemistry between those two. They do a great job. Yeah. Uh, while Barnes is in captivity in Berlin, Rogers and Stark argue about the accords further with Rogers nearly convinced to sign until he learns of Wanda's in-house arrest. At, <laughs> at a power grid station outside the city, a box is sent by Zemo, which contains an E-bomb, which explodes and shuts down electricity for the entire city, including the cameras and computers that were monitoring on Barnes, because clearly this facility doesn't have a generator. Barnes is released by Zemo, who uses Hydra's trigger words to send him on a rampage. Rogers and Wilson intervene just as Barnes is escaping containment with Rogers attempting to calm Barnes while Wilson chases after Zemo. Attempting to flee the facility, Zemo escapes and Barnes nearly gets away in a helicopter before being caught by Rogers and his massive arms. So I didn't, I didn't put this in there, but you had me thinking. Yes. So they planted this E-bomb at some electrical facility to take out the electrical grid. Yes. Right. They were just were they trying to just disable the surrounding area or just the building? I think we were trying to to take out the building, but in order to take out the building, you probably have to take out everything around it. Maybe. So I mean, this explosion was pretty gigantic. You know, oh, yeah. why didn't they just do that closer to the building and all the surrounding areas? That would explain why you know there no generators would work. Maybe. You know, to go back to that, I, I I don't know. I just why not just take out the area that you wanted to, unless there was some bigger grand scheme, you know? Because I'm sure some little kid has probably gotten to level 99 playing a video game somewhere. It's like, <laughs> oh, and this fire goes out. What you happened? Know, what, 
like throwing the controller at the screen and all this stuff. It's just, uh, I mean, I've been there. And, so, a, and and in 20 years, that will be a villain in the MCU. Oh, the seed has been planted. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. In a panic, he intentionally crashes the chopper, and as it falls into the nearby rivers, river, pulls Rogers in with him before he knocked before before being knocked unconscious by the impact, and then Rogers saves Bucky out of the water. Oh. Yeah, the old a little flip reversal from um. Yeah. Winter Soldier. Yep. After coming to his senses, Barnes tells Rogers that Zemo is headed for the abandoned Hydra facility in Siberia, where he and five other Winter Soldiers were created using the Super Soldier Serum he stole in 1991. Believing Zemo intends to release the other Winter Soldiers and unleash them on the world, Rogers calls upon Clint Barton for aid in freeing Wanda, which Barton agrees to, to since he feels he owes her a debt as her brother sacrificed himself to save his life in Sokovia. He manages to break into the new Avengers facility and convinces Wanda to come with him, who uses her abilities to overpower Vision. Falcon decides to recruit Scott Lang, the Ant-Man, to join the team as well, having been impressed by his abilities following their duel at a, a few months prior. Lang, who is effective, uh, affectionately called Tic Tac, <laughs> is in awe at getting to be Captain America quickly and easily agrees to join Rogers. I love Paul Rudd in this scene. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's Ant-Man is my favorite. I, he's just, well, well, I shouldn't even say that. Scott Lang. Yeah. You know, Can't... I I think I like Scott Lang more than I actually like him as the Ant-Man. I don't know. It's really it's really close. But the fact, he's just like, all this, he's like starstruck. Yeah. He's oh. a fanboy at this oh. point. Oh, wow. um, you're, you're Captain America. Wow, this is great. And, and you, hey, I know you too. You're great too. Yeah, it was interesting when they were back, when they were talking with Winter Soldier and he was kind of delving to everybody what the plans were. Yeah. I was like, this looks familiar. Yeah. I've seen this scene before. And that was one of the post-credit scenes for Ant-Man, wasn't it? Yes, they recut the scene to be smaller in that so they didn't give away too much. Oh, they gave, it was smaller because they were talking about uh, Ant-Man? Yeah, look at that. Oh, oh. God, that's lame. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to talk about, I don't know if I actually missed it. Maybe, I don't know. But at the very beginning when you talked about, it was Cat versus the Chopper. Oh, yeah. That is such a cool scene. It and is awesome. It's a very, very cool moment because you get to see pure, raw strength of what Cap has. And the he's like guns. holding onto the rail. And he's holding onto this helicopter. And even I think they zoom in. Maybe not zoom in, but they go, they pan to Winter Soldier. And he, he even had like a, uh-oh, kind of a moment. Yep. Like, oh, God, this guy's going to get me. It was a really cool moment, but I also think it, that was for the ladies too. Oh, because they so just wise. showed him and I like the skin tight shirt, Under Armour, flexing his biceps, and they were just like, probably like, a, oh, well, thank you. Thor hasn't been here in a while. I need a little cap now. Yeah, no, that was that was <laughs> you know we've given the guys uh, Scarlet Witch for the entire movie so far. Uh, let's give them a little gun show. <laughs> they had to, yeah. But I just thought that was just like that was a pure raw power moment. Yeah, it was. And we see a very similar move actually in Infinity War when Thor has to hold every hold the star open. Yes. So yep, very true. Yeah. Okay, back at the joint counter terrorist center compound, Stark convinces Ross to give him thirty six hours to bring his renegade comrades in and assembles Romanoff, T'Challa, James Rhodes, and Vision. But feeling he is still undermanned, Stark travels to New York City and meets a youngster named uh, Pater. 
Peter Parkour? <laughs> oh, Peter Parker, a high school student who has been using used who has been using enhanced agility and tensile webbing of his own design to fight crime while disguised as a spider-based hero known as the Spiderling? Spider-Boy? Nope, Spider-Man. <laughs> when Stark asks him why he's doing this, Parker explains that he understands the price of not doing the right thing. Um, before you get started, I, uh, I love how they really tried so hard not to use the words, with great power comes great responsibility. But they basically said it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they just if they said that because they didn't want to be linked to the other Spider-Mans or that's just like a cliche line nowadays. Yeah. Um, because it was so powerful from the Tobey Maguire ones. But no, yeah, they did a really good job doing that. Yeah. Um, I. OK. Yeah. So when this film came out, I never really saw much of the trailers and whatnot. Okay. And I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did they like actually reveal Spider-Man in the trailers? Yes, they did. Before this movie was? Okay. I don't know why they did that, because this could have been a huge bombshell, because that's how I looked at it. When I all of a sudden saw this teenage guy, you know, walking down the hall in there, and then they reveal it's Peter Parker, I was like, oh my god, what? Spider-Man's going to be in this? Oh, this just hooked me in even more, and I was already hooked on this film. It was... And this is a new Spider-Man. Like, I had no idea that they were going to be even touching on this yeah. at all. Because I thought this was all Sony. Right. I didn't really know that it was much Marvel. Um, that or I'm just that dumb. I never paid attention. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just never remembered this in the trailers coming out. So when they did this, I thought it was so cool. And how Tony, Robert Downey Jr., and Tom Holland, their chemistry on screen together is so fluid. And I think I talk about, you know, during the an infamous scene that comes up uh-huh. on how Spider-Man kind of takes the mantle. Yes. It's it's absolutely incredible. Spiderling. I mean, the, the Tony Stark humor <laughs> comes out and that's again, I can't. You're unusually not hot say it. I, 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 I'm, I don't know what to say. I just love it when Tony Stark talks like that and he has this jokingly matters and his sarcasm. As far as Walnut Date Loafs go, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, is this your costume? Is this it? Is yeah. it? No, man, it's not it. Does, does your unusually <laughs> hot aunt know about this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marissa Tomei. Wow, she has not aged. You know, I remember when you first saw this and we were talking about it and you were in love with oh, that Oh, my Lord. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, she's a very young aunt. Yes, she is. Opposed to what we've seen in the past. I mean, for the Tobey Maguires, I can't re- remember much of the um, – Andrew Garfield is that what the, yeah, the, the second ones, the amazing ones? Yeah, the I don't Andrew. remember. Aunt, I don't remember Aunt May in those, but I always thought Aunt May was just kind of a an older character. So seeing a Marissa Tomei, yeah, it was a little different take on it. I was cool with it, but I was like, eh. yeah, I can you work know. with it. Okay, here I we can go. watch Aunt May. Here we go. Trying to flee Berlin and reach Siberia before Zemo, Rogers and his team assemble at Flughafen, Flughafen, Leipzig, Halle Airport. I'm probably getting that all wrong. I don't care. That it's, sounds great. You know what? Sounds great. It's an airport where they hope to take a <laughs> where they hope to take a chopper out of the country. When sirens indicate the airport is being evacuated, Rogers instructs his team to suit up and travels to a chopper alone where he is confronted by Stark alongside his allies. When Rogers refuses to back down, the Avengers get into a massive fight, which destroys a large section of the airport. 
During the fight, the Avengers decide to buy time for Rogers and Barnes to reach the Quinjet at the expense of imprisonment. Ant-Man uses his suit to grow gargantuan, which tips the scales and creates enough of a distraction to allow Rogers and Barnes to reach a jet. The two of them are confronted by Romanoff, but she can't bring herself to take them down and allows them to leave in Stark's Quinjet while the rest of the Avengers are captured. As Stark and Rogers chase the jet, Vision attempts to blast Falcon, who is following them out of the sky. However... He misses and hits Rhodes, who plummets to the ground and is left paralyzed. Romanoff, knowing she will be arrested for acting against the Accords, goes into hiding. Parker is injured in the fight, and a grateful Stark sends the boy back home, much to the former's dismay. Okay, Steve, I'm just going to let you lead this entire piece here. Go. (laughs) So this whole, this was just a nice slow build to absolute chaos. It really just slowly started to unwind, and you can feel the tension that was building. Ant-Man. Yes? Got to say it. No. By far, this even – he's he's my new favorite character in the entire MCU. I can't (laughs) even believe you wrote this. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Uh, He is so – I, I've got so much more pivotal in, but now, and I'm going to still act like I haven't seen what's going to come later. Um, but I, so far he is so pivotal I've in gotta, everything that has gone on. I've got to check you on this though. Ant-Man over your boy, Tony Stark. Yes. I oh would take God. Ant-Man. <laughs> wow. He's so, he, I, I love everything. It, it, I think it's the, Guys, I might rip myself in half. Who is this guy? I, I, I don't know what to say. I almost want to say that Scott Lang's writing and, and, and what they have him act, you know, and Paul Rudd yeah. and his mannerisms and his sarcasm and his banter. Yeah. that's on, It's on par with Tony. Well, it's funny. It, my, I love it when he shows up at the airport and he happens to be on the shield. And he gets the shield back to Captain America and goes, Here, here's your shield, Captain America. And it goes to Robert Downey Jr. And he just rolls his eyes like, who is this guy? <laughs> Between that, he says, and then when he jumps on, you know, Hawkeye's arrow, he says, all right, I'm ready. You know, arrow boy, let's, let's I'm go. I'm ready, arrow you know, man. Watch me in there. Does anybody got any orange slices? Yeah. It's, oh, geez, or even when he, when he gets big. And you just hear him laughing. Ho, 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 ho. Yeah, he just can't believe it. it's like, this works. I'm huge. I'm like the Jolly Green Giant. Um, so. We also get an uncharacteristic curse word in an MCU movie. Spider-Man yells, holy <laughs> Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Uh Anything else in this you want to go over? Yeah. Oh, well, there is a little scene, the whole airport scene. Okay. Um, tell me, just tell me all the bullet points of why you love the airport scene, because they're probably all the same as mine. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man, like I was trying to tell before, he's the new Tony Spark when the battle is going on. Okay. You know, Tony was so great, and I, the one scene I kind of really liked, there's a couple scenes from Tony. One from Iron Man 1 when he's in the suit, and two when he's the Hulk, um, when he's in the Hulkbuster suit. All right. You know, just, just his commentary throughout that is just absolutely amazing. Um, Spider-Man, I I think I want to change it. He's probably the best in this whole scene now. It's not Ant-Man. You know, I, I, it's not Ant-Man anymore. I, I, I honestly, <laughs> you know, I, I'm wrestling between the two insects right now. <laughs> Probably the best of this whole scene. His quick whips just serve him so well. 
Um, Could we get an Ant-Man, Spider-Man movie? Say again? Would it be cool if we got an Ant-Man, Spider-Man movie? Don't tease me. That would be amazing. That, I I think I probably have my first day. Yeah. (laughs) On title alone. (laughs) I'd be good. You know what? I would want an Ant-Man 3 with Spider-Man thrown in there. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. That's what I would like. Yes. Um, I shot 18. I scored 18. <laughs> I, it's Can't just a perfect miss. Hawkeye quote. <laughs> Seeing the mix of all the abilities, I think there's like one shot where you see Team Iron Man, Team Cap, and they're all on the same screen. Yes. Just lined up staring each other down. And I'd be actually curious on how you introduced all the actors and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were almost lined up in that order against their equal, it was just—it's—I was just grinning during this whole scene. Yeah, I, I was just absolutely blown away. This was the absolute climax of the whole film. And then Ant Man <laughs> blows up. Yeah. Just, never mind. I yeah. like Ant Man again. He gets back. <laughs> He's just back. I, I just—I I can't. He's just amazing. It, it, uh, yeah, he's just speechless. Yeah. Damn. Just do it. A black Black Widow again. In her leather. Ugh. Now she's awesome. Yes. And so for the record. Okay. My favorites. Spider-Man. Yeah. Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Black Widow. <laughs> what is with me and insects? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of arachnids. No. <laughs> no, I know you're not. That's just like, wow. It's kind of funny when you when you're going through this. Um, I'm thinking like if, as you're saying everything, I can hear all the lines that are happening in that. And you mentioned one thing, which is like you know you wondered what if they were matched up when they were all lined up, and they actually were. And the reason why was it's a very simple reason is that if you were to change the uh, combination of any of those fights, it's clearly one sided then. Because if you just move okay. Vision over to Iron Man, it's over. If you move Wanda to Hawkeye or Wanda the Black Widow, it's over. Yeah. You needed them to have their equals that they were fighting. It's kind of a cheat that way, but it makes sense why they didn't have Thor or Hulk in there because if those two are there, the whole thing's over. Oh, yeah. It would have been, well, unless they were on opposite teams. Yeah. I uh, don't know. But um, the last thing that I thought, I hate to say it, it was kind of funny, but it was also sad at the same time when Rhodes hits the ground and Iron Man, it's just, oh. Tony just flies down there and it's just like consoling him, such a, Heartfelt scene, and Falcon comes out and says, I'm sorry. Iron Man puts his hand up, get out of here. Right, right. <laughs> it just blows them away. I'm like, whoa. And I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering if the original idea was that War Machine was going to die there. I thought he was. I thought he was dead. Well, they, he, 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 Iron Man comes down and he says, he kind of checks this, he goes, check his vitals. Uh, life signs are there, whatever it was. I don't know. The machine says it. Life, his his uh, yeah. low life signs. Whatever. So he's still alive. But I'm wondering if, in some of the original cuts, if they had War Machine dying and that was going to be the pivotal moment to break them all apart. This was cute, but now someone's died. Kind of like it's all fun in games until someone gets an eye poked out. Yeah, it's all fun in games until so someone gets shot in the leg. Stark finds evidence that Barnes was framed by Zemo and finds that the rest of the Avengers have been thrown into a top-secret prison called the Raft, designed to hold enhanced people. Which is funny because Hawkeye's not enhanced. Ant-Man's not enhanced. <laughs> Why are uh, they there? <laughs> very true. Oh, they're, they're guilty by association. Sam is not enhanced. <laughs> The 
enhanced as Scarlet uh, Black or uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, that's okay. She's got a very good reason of being down there. Yes, but you got to think that she could just—I mean, you can't like turn off her powers, <laughs> you know. But so I, I can't she get out of her constraints? I mean, she's Scarlet Witch. Yeah, she's got telekinetic powers. She should be able to do anything she wants. Yeah. Uh, I think her morale is keeping her, her in check. He visits the dismayed former Avengers and temporarily disables security in order to learn from Wilson where Rogers and Barnes are going. He follows the two to Siberia and is shadowed by T'Challa. Rogers and Stark reconcile. And I like this moment. And as they explore the facility, they discover that the other Winter Soldiers have been murdered by Zemo, who had never intended to release them. What? 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 Murder. Zemo reveals that he is a Sokovian and wants to punish the Avengers for the death of his family during Ultron's attack. Zemo shows Stark a security video from 1991, Mission Report, 91, which reveals Barnes as the assassin who murdered Stark's parents to steal samples of the super soldier serum from their car. Rogers tells Stark that he knew the circumstances of their deaths, though not that it was Barnes himself who killed them. Stark sees through the lie, and Rogers admits that he knew it was Barnes all along. A disillusioned and enraged Stark then turns on Barnes, forcing Rogers to fight him to save his friend's life. While trying to crush Stark's arc reactor, Barnes's robotic arm gets blasted off by his suit's unibeam. This scene is all emotion from start to finish. Yes. And, you know, I... You came off such a climatic scene from the airport. Yes. And then the film's not done yet. I was like, what? There's, yeah. How is this going to end? So it's, it's, it's very interesting to see it. I understand the reason why Cap helps out Bucky. You do, huh? It's, it, it's, it, it's a true friendship, mm-hmm. but at what cost to everything else? It, everything else is the cost. It, it, <laughs> yeah. He's willing to throw everything that he's worked. Uh, well, he's worked so hard to build and create and to do everything. It's like, it's, this is almost like now that Cap has his tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, though. I know you're a villains guy. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this so-called villain? Zemo. Yes. So I was, this is the second time that I saw, or the third time, I can't remember. I was absolutely floored because this is one of the only people to successfully divide the team. Like his ultimate master plan. I was just, I was floored. I think when the first time I saw this, like, Oh my gosh, he definitely knew the whole time. This is just like ingenious to from start to finish. He definitely pushed them in the right direction. Yeah, I totally agree. Yes. What did you think of the raft? I think the raft is an awesome concept. I just think the wrong people are in it. Uh, It's for enhanced individuals. Okay, so I'm expecting then the raft is good for your visions, your Captain Americas, your Winter Soldiers, your Black Panthers. I don't really understand why people who aren't enhanced are there. That's confusing to me, but I think it's a cool... First of all, I like the idea of where it's at, the middle of the ocean and underwater. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, what about that's you? shield all the way. 
No, I think it's really cool because it takes them out of existence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you don't even know that, that that it's even there. Yeah. So I really I thought it was really cool. Um, the heli- when, when go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the helicopter. When Tony, scene. yeah, when Tony is um, when he reconciles with Steve Rogers, and then he makes his way to, you know, go chase them down. I think who gives up the information? Oh, it was uh, Sam. It was Sam. He get, he gives it up. He kind of reconciles that way, helps him out. Yeah. And then he gets in his plane, and he's kind of, I don't know who he's talking to. He's talking to himself, and he just pushes a button, and then his finger gets the <laughs> Iron Man suit. His chair goes back, and he just goes off into the air. I'm just like, I, I, I what else can this guy do to get the Iron Man suit on him? You know, it reminded me of something you mentioned a few movies back when we were talking about Vision. And we we're talking about Jarvis and how you mentioned, you know, Vision's an AI. And Vision's supposed to do what the directions are. He's an AI. AIs follow directions. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how it just seemed like he was just doing whatever he could, whatever he wanted to. And, you know, all of a sudden you have a sense of humor and all this stuff and all that. And this is kind of a moment where I think you could see people drop off the believability train when it comes to. Stark has something for everything. And this seemed almost too damn convenient. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you just have a suit in the helicopter? You know, why have it be something like that? And, oh, the helicopter can fly itself back? Oh, okay. I, with everything that, you know, Stark has been able to create. Yeah. The helicopter on autopilot flying, that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. I, I firmly believe that just because – and look what the guy can do. I mean his coffee table is a computer system. That's very true. You're very true. You're very right. You're very right. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't surprise we, me. We've um, allowed certain things in the past. We have to allow them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cap and Bucky, you know, when they go to find Zemo, yeah. it, it's, like, it's like old times. It's like back from Captain America one when they're on the same team. Mm-hmm. It was they're a great duo then, and I think obviously now that they're a little bit more enhanced, both of them are. It's even better now. Okay, all right, uh, yeah. I I think it all depends on how you're viewing Cap and Bucky uh, after the scene, though. Like it when before the scene, you're kind of like, okay, they're having their moment. Like, yeah, you know, we're both over a hundred years old. You know. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, that's when exactly when I view it. Okay, I think yeah. They're just a great team. Um, they're a great duo. <laughs> But I do like the one. I can't tell you Stark brings it back when uh, Zemo's talking about, you know, go ahead and try to get me out of this. You know, this is built able to withstand, you know, I don't know if it's like nuclear weapons or whatever. Megaton like that. Iron whatever. Man just goes, I bet I can beat that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's just. Yeah, it, it's great. But we so. also get, you know, this is this is a scene that basically is a comic book cover. When you see Iron Man and Cap both, like, he's got a shield up and, Cap, and Iron Man is shooting him with a beam, and it literally stops, and you see them both fighting so hard against each other. That was a comic book cover. Yeah, that's an iconic shot. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as cool as that was, it was not as cool as watching Bucky and Cap take on Iron Man at the exact same time, when they're just tossing the shield with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, these guys are like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. Yeah, they did really well. Uh, anything else in this that you want to uh, unload on? Well, I have a little bit of a problem with the whole when the whole reveal happens with Cap 
and Iron Man. Well, yep. I guess more Iron Man kind of watching how his parents were killed by a Winter Soldier. Okay. You know, it shows it. I think this is like the second or third time that we see this actual scene, but this is we see the whole thing now with uh, the camera angle there. Okay, the security but camera, yeah. The security camera. That happens to be in the right spot at the right time. I mean, when yeah. he first hits the car or shoots the car, it happens to stop right in front of a camera. Like yeah. perfectly aligned. So I was like, that just seems a little coincidental to me. Are you saying that there's something screwed? Well, I don't yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it's getting me there, but it just seemed a little coincidental. Well, you gotta remember though, also, and that is for Zemo's, as you called it, epic plan to be successful. This coincidence is absolutely needed because without oh. this, he can't do anything. Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, so it's... in a movie that doesn't really have too many coincidences, I can take one. Rogers finally manages to disable Stark's armor and begins to depart with Barnes. As Rogers leaves, Stark bitterly reminds him that his shield doesn't belong to him, but rather his father who made it. Accepting that he is no longer worthy of it or the title of Captain America, Rogers drops the vibranium shield and leaves with Barnes. Having succeeded in his plans of ripping apart the Avengers, Zemo waits outside where he meets with T'Challa, and the two discuss vengeance and the terrible things it can lead men to do. T'Challa has decided he will not let his desire for revenge consume him like it did Zemo and the Avengers and prevents him from committing suicide, content on sending him to prison. And I love what he says. The living are not done with you yet. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he kind of steps back and lets uh, lets justice take over his head. Yes. As opposed to his, uh, his inner feelings on it again. That civil war, that divide, that total mentality of the right and what's wrong. That's just like the common theme throughout this entire film. Yeah. Under the custody of Everett Ross, Zemo hints that while he may be imprisoned, his grand plan wasn't as much of a failure as Ross suggests it was. Knowing that the Avengers may now be irretrievably fractured. Yeah, I think it wasn't a failure at all. It was a complete and utter success. Do you think Zemo would have done this had he known that Thanos would have been coming? Yes, okay. I do, because I think his emotions would have gotten the better of him, and he's he would want to be the one to take him out because I think at that point he would have had closure okay. to himself. Um, so, yeah. All right. Uh, so anything step out of you in this one? So I think I might have misplaced what I have written here, but – when I saw what was on the screen, yeah. you know, with Iron Man seeing everything that happened, I was just completely shocked. Um, Cap is now a douche yet again. Now, the fact that he knew it <laughs> didn't tell him. But yeah, I I get it. And this is where the film really got emotional for me. OK, it really started to wrestle with it in my mind um, that and then, yeah, Zemo, this guy was the only one to take the Avengers out. You have guys before you, Loki, all the villains there, you know, Ultron. They weren't able to do it. Simo did it. He took out the Avengers. I I have a a question that might piss you off. All right. Okay. Zemo had this security tape, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Why didn't he just send it to Tony Stark? I thought about that, too. And like, you know why what? Do, I why think do all he wanted this? to. 
I think he just wanted to slowly just break them and have them realize. It's like he wanted the bomb to kind of be blown up from the inside. I think if he went straight to there, I don't think there would have been so much emotion attached to it. Um, Don't get me wrong. When you find out who actually kills your parents, obviously you could be very emotional. Right. But the fact that it was just a slow burn and a slow unwind to absolute chaos, mm-hmm. I think it just has that much more of an effect. Okay. Uh, back at the Avengers facility, Stark builds an exoskeletal frame for Rhodes to help him regain the use of his legs. Rhodes assures his friend that despite what happened, like him, he still believes he made the right choice. Stark receives a package containing a phone and a letter from Rogers. In the letter, Rogers apologizes for everything that happened and for not telling him the truth about his parents, as well as noting his regret that he cannot accept the accords. He tells Stark that he knows the day will come when the team will need to assemble and act like one again. When that day arrives, Rogers and his team, he freed from prison, will be there. Several weeks later, Barnes and Rogers are granted asylum in Wakanda by T'Challa. Barnes chooses to undergo cryostasis until his brainwashing can be completely removed or suppressed successfully. As Rogers warns T'Challa that the governments of the world will come to Wakanda if they find out Barnes is there, T'Challa dares them to try. Uh, Yeah. First time I saw this, I was like, Black Panther? Uh Uh-uh. Who the heck is this guy? (laughs) What the hell is that? This is such an awesome, cool shot. Yeah. I need to know more. Again, I missed so much before, and I felt like part of it was stolen from me. But you know what? When I still saw this again for the second or third time, I was like, how it comes out of the fog, and you see that massive panther. Yes. That is so cool. What did you think of it? Um, When I saw this, when I saw the panther, I thought, okay, how are they going to hide an entire country? Because, I mean, we've got satellites now. We, we can see shit. How do you hide an entire country? So that's where I'm like, okay, I need to see more. But I love the fact that when you when you see the inside of Black Panther, like when you see like the building they're in, I'm like, that is some tech, like Tony Stark, like next level tech that they got in there. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you bring up a very good point because the public eye knows about Wakanda. Right. The news and everybody knows about the governments know about it, but they don't know where it's at. Yeah. They can't see it. That's a very good point. Uh, shortly after the clash, Parker discovers a portable holographic computer that Stark had programmed into his web shooters. Is there a relevance to this post credit scene? Yes, there is. The relevance was it was a tease to let people know, yes, Spider-Man is coming. It is okay. coming. The other tease was his suit will not be the suit that you've always known. There's going to be some Stark tech in that suit. All right. That's what I think that was. Uh, Okay, so the movie's over. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 92%. The critics on average gave this film a 7.39 out of 10. So that's a C. (laughs) The critics' consensus reads... Captain America Civil War begins the next wave of Marvel movies with an action-packed superhero blockbuster boasting a decidedly non-cartoonish plot and the courage to explore thought-provoking themes. I agree with everything they just said. That is pretty spot on. That's really good. The audience gave this a uh, a 4.28 out of 5 with 89% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. But the movie's over, Steve. 
Were you entertained? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bones oh, saw yeah. is. <laughs> that was so awesome. This movie was awesome. What about you? Definitely entertained. When I saw this, I, the first time I saw it, I was. <laughs> the second time I saw it, I was. But we have a third voice, Steve. From the original Civil War podcast from 2016, JC, the movie's over. I'm just going to play the clip. Here it is. <laughs> and can you tell me why, perhaps, you hated this movie? I hated this movie, and you... You told me, because I was pretty, I was spitting some vitriol. I was saying about how it ruined the MCU for me, and could I watch another Marvel movie? Yeah. I, was at a dark, I was at a bad place at the end of this movie. And you told me to, to dwell marinate. on it. Um, marinate on it. Marinate on it for a little bit. <laughs> and I will say, it's Civil War. They needed to create conflict. The conflict was thought to be over Bucky. The ultimate conflict actually ended up being between Cap knowing that Bucky had killed uh, Stark's parents and not telling Stark. And when Stark found out, he goes bat crazy. And Cap needs to pay for that. Okay. And they won't do it. Somehow, magically, these guys are going to come back together for Infinity War. Yes. And Marvel's biggest strength for me up to this point has been the believability of their storytelling. There is no way I can believe that these guys... And you can say, but it's the Infinity Gauntlet. It's war. They will come... No, I'm sorry. The way they shot the movie, the way I saw the movie, mm -hmm. those two hated each other. That last shot of Tony defeated on his back yes. as Cap walks away and he screams, my father made that shield and he drops that shield. And then the very next scene, he gets a phone call and Tony's supposed to be smiling. I'm sorry. Marvel lost me there. Okay. Marvel... Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird when you it hear was, it in retrospect. Yeah, it is. It's it. Yeah, it just seemed like a big, like two brothers just going at it, like just just a spat. Um, it, it was Anakin and Obi Wan. Oh, yeah, that, that stumped I, I don't you know a little bit. The, was there? I mean, yeah, I guess there was obvious hate there. I just think of the iconic "I hate you" scene. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, from Episode Three, and. I mean, one, they never said that, but it's uh, when you find out somebody lied. It just seemed like a big brother spat. But you can totally see why JC would think the way that he is. Because oh, it totally does agree. end on a down note, but I can understand why he's pissed off. Because at the end, you know, he gets a phone. It's kind of like, okay. And I read that scene differently. I read it as, okay, he gets the phone, he kind of puts it down and takes Ross's call instead. Yeah, and that's how kind of how I take it. I think if, yeah. and I don't know if you even mentioned this in that previous podcast, that if they would have changed that scene where he takes the phone and just literally throws it away. Yes. That would have been more solidified that, yeah, you, that these two can't come back. Right. But the fact that he doesn't do that, he just looks at it and just leaves it there and takes another scene. It's like, you know what? This one's a little bit more important right now. I'm going to take this one instead. He's still better. Yes. But time, time does heal all wounds. Oh. You know? Or so Thanos does. I think that's kind of eventually what happened. Okay, time for Did the Awards Get It Right? At the Academy Awards, no nominations. At the Golden Globes, no nominations. At the Saturn Awards, it got eight nominations and one win. Okay, Best Actor went to Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool. Uh, oh, Chris, yeah. And he beat out Chris Evans. 
So, uh, honestly, I'm surprised it doesn't say Robert Downey Jr. for this because I thought he would have won perhaps because of his end scene. But Ryan Reynolds, yeah, 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 you deserve that one over Chris Evans. That would have been kind of a slap in the face that if the best actor was <laughs> Iron Man <laughs> in a Captain America movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, best comic to film picture, Doctor Strange one. We'll go over that next time. Uh, yeah. But Captain America Civil War was nominated for that. Uh, best director. <laughs> so Anthony and Joe Russo are up for Captain America Civil War, and they lose to Gareth Edwards for for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> That's a miss. That was a big miss. I'm saying no. I'm sorry. Civil War should have won. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Yeah. And the fact that Rogue One won is just freaking yes. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Uh, best editing went to the BFG. Just stop it. That movie was crap. Over Civil War. Oh. <laughs> Rogue, uh, okay. Rogue One was uh, up for this also, Steve, but what do you think? Yeah, so they totally should have won for this. I mean, their editing was so on par that they, when they cut the movie, they took away all of the good scenes. <laughs> I mean, the, I enjoyed the trailer more. They took out everything that was in the trailer out of the movie. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, yep. come on. Your editing has got to be on par for taking out all the good scenes. What? Yeah. Honestly, I can't really, okay. I would say Civil War is better than the BFG when it comes to editing, but it still has its editing issues. There's other movies here that I would say were better edited, like Arrival or The Jungle Book. But we got to go by what was nominated and what what won. So Yeah, you turned me off, BFG. Never saw Arrival. Yeah. Um, Cloverfield Lane was really good until the end. Um, <laughs> so maybe the, maybe the editing up until there was pretty good. So, all right. Best performance by a younger actor goes to Tom Holland for Captain America Civil War. So I'd say, yeah, he, but he wasn't he was barely in it. That's how great he was. He was so <laughs> uh, I'm kind of wondering why Neil said he didn't win for the Jungle Book on that one, because he was a better actor for the duration of the entire movie. Yes, that's true. OK. Uh, best production of design went to BFG over Civil War. Uh, it, you know, BFG was all fantasy stuff. So, OK, sure. Uh -huh. uh, best supporting actor went to John Goodman over for 10 Cloverfield Lane over Black Panther, Jadwick Boseman. No, 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 no. But I have to agree. John Goodman was really good in Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He was. Uh, best Supporting Actress went to Tilda Swinton for Doctor Strange, and it beats Scarlett Johansson for Captain America Civil War. And when we do Doctor Strange, we'll have more to say about that, I'm sure. Yes, we will. Um, okay. At the MTV Movie Awards. Wait. It got no nominations? <sighs> what the? That, well, MTV... I'm double-checking this. Maybe I made a mistake. I can't believe it got no nominations. This powerhouse of a movie, Civil War. Really? Let's see. I'm on the IMDb page right now. I'm going to the awards. Is this... Is it possible? MTV. It got no MTV awards. Wow. Guarantee Star Wars Rogue One did. Uh, <laughs> Probably best film. 
All right, on to our next segment. <laughs> Titled Top 3, Bottom 3. And no, our bottom three can't be that Rogue One won an award. This is where <laughs> this is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Steve, what are your top three for Civil War? All I know is I'm immediately changing my order on this. Um, <laughs> my number three, my number three, Baron Zemo's master plan, and I love this okay. because it was someone so unexpected with literally no powers. No, you know no. he's not superhuman. He was a he was a military guy, so he had limited powers. Yes. Well, I guess information, you know, or whatever he had. And resources, and but he destroyed the Avengers. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Kind of. He did. He kind of did. He split them apart. They had the – he created animosity in such a powerful group. You okay. know, um, that's my number three. Number two – and this is really tough to denote from number two to number one. I know. But, but number two, Scott Lang. He's seriously my new favorite character. <laughs> I, I, I just, it's, I, I can't. Every time he's on screen, it's just gold. gold. I just love it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. Jeez. Um, my number one though is the airport scene. Yeah. I think this might be my airport scene. Is like your elevator scene. Okay. With all Cap. Right. Yeah. Seeing all of these personalities come together was just so awesome to see. Spider-Man steals the show. Uh-huh. I, I, it's something with arachnids and bugs, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry, Joe. All right. <laughs> it's just, but I think Spider-Man stole that scene. Okay. All right. What about yours? What were your top three? Uh, my number three is the conversation that Tony and Steve have with signing the Accords when he brings out the two pens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their conversation is, it's very civil. Their conversation. And as you're listening to it, you're understanding completely both sides and you find yourself ping ponging throughout the conversation as to who you want to back. My number two, (laughs) it's the airport battle. Uh, It's a spectacle and uh, it's glorious. It's it's uh, it's everything we'd been wanting to see for 12 movies. And we finally got it all. And it was like, wow, there's no way that Marvel will ever be able to top the airport scene ever again. Little did we know. <laughs> <laughs> and my number one is the Tony versus Steve and Bucky final fight. It is so wrought with emotion and it is an acting clinic. What, mm-hmm. what they do in that scene. Uh, so that's my number one. It is the most powerful scene to me in the movie. Uh, now it's time for the bottom three. Okay, Steve, it's time to vent. What are your <laughs> bottom three? So my number three, Crossbones. Wait, he, he was, was introduced. In this movie? <laughs> so, yeah, who is this guy? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's like hours ago. Crossbones. He was introduced so nicely, and then was just farted on really early. <laughs> it would have been nice to see him more. Maybe in another movie before Civil War. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of hope that maybe with these new shows that are coming out, he might be alluded to or maybe show a cameo. And I don't know. I just really liked him. All right. Um, so, yeah. Number two, yep. we've talked about this before. And I, it was just tough to find to, to nail a number two, so I kept it in there. Okay. I guess I could replace it with something. But anyways, I, I just didn't know why this was – it just didn't seem like a Captain America movie to me. 
when I the first or the second or third time I saw it, clearly it just felt like the least cap movie because it had so many other characters in it. Okay. Um, so out of all of them, this was the least cap movie for me. Uh, you notice I did not challenge any of these. No. Yeah. I because I am going to talk about it in my synopsis at the end. <laughs> okay. And I guess if I had to have an honorable like a two point five or a two point five one there, yeah. it would just be the length of the movie. The fact that there oh, was yeah. a couple climaxes in this film. You know, yeah, I'm trying were. to keep this clean. And I was almost exhausted at the end of it. Yeah, it's exhausting. You're right. So yeah. But my number one, the security camera. <laughs> How in the hell did the security camera get placed or did this whole action sequence that is extremely pivotal uh, to this entire movie and show and pretty much creates the destruction of the Avengers get in that exact spot where the incident occurred, where everything is in sight? I mean, I Winter Soldier's on a motorcycle. The car's going uh, on this highway. I mean, if he misses like a couple feet, the... the he happens to hit the tree at this angle and everything stops. It is just way too coincidental for me. Okay. And I know that you said that something like, you know, you can take, you know, one coincidence thing, but this was just such a huge coincidence. That's so vital. And I'm just like, for it to be there at the right spot, I'm like, there's something screwy here. <laughs> there <it is>. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> So that was my number one. I, just, I, I still can't get past it. So. I feel you. I know. I know. Things stick in your cross sometimes. It does. Yeah. So, all right. I haven't looked at yours. I'm curious. Okay. What are yours? Well, my number three is that Helmet Zemo and Tony's mom are completely underdeveloped. Completely agree. Completely underdeveloped. And it's why I find Helmet Zemo <laughs> arguably the weakest villain we've ever had. And Tony's mom the weakest cameo of a character we've ever had. She's in the movie for less than 30 seconds. And she's in the MCU for less than 30 seconds. And she has, and she, and yeah. she has a and massive she, role ahead. in this Sorry. whole, in, in Tony's whole life. We've just heard about her. So no, that's my number three. My number two, you know, Spider-Man is great, but you could ultimately erase him from this movie and it wouldn't make a single bit of difference. No, that's very true. And my number one, the fight at the airport is just too choreographed. The matchups, they're too equal. The matchups are way too equal. So that's my my number one. So the matchups at the airport scene, they didn't necessarily stick like mono a mono. They eventually interchanged, didn't they? Uh, Yes. Like eventually you saw Spider-Man battling Captain America, you know. No, um, I don't know if those two were lined up eventually. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. I mean, he, here's the thing. You never saw Captain America match up with Vision. You never saw Wanda Maximoff one-on-one against Iron Man. Like, why not? Why don't you send your biggest hitter to the leaders of the teams? Yeah, I guess, it, I mean, if they would have interacted with everybody at one time, I guess right. on screen, that would have been probably a little bit better, you know? Yeah. I mean, at some point, don't you think Ant-Man would have stepped on somebody as big well, Ant-Man? Wouldn't that have solved the whole fucking thing? <laughs> it would have, but all those superpowers in there, he could have stopped. I mean, because, yeah, what if it was like something where... um 
was trying to step on Iron Man. Yeah. Or not step on Iron Man, step on Spider-Man. They're on the same team. And then <laughs> Wanda eventually stops his foot. You know, he could have had like some balance in there or something. I don't know. Yeah. But having them all interact with one another. No, I agree. That should, that should have been a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's time for a critics rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A or a perfect 12 is the highest and F or a low one is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives F's from all the hosts. It goes to a new category movie, the movie planet global killer, a category movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how awful it actually is. So the question is, why do you give Captain America civil war in the comic book feature film genre? Steve, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'm going to go second on this one. Oh, I'm going to take the final word. Awesome. Okay, so here I go. When we reviewed the movie just over three years ago, it was JC and I, and we had a civil war on the podcast about this one. I initially gave it an A-, and he gave it a D+. Then we spent the next few weeks mulling over our rationales, and I dropped mine to a B, and then it went to a B+. I was all over the map. Part of this is because we didn't know what was going to be coming down the pipeline story-wise. However, here we are. And the Infinity Saga is completed. Now let's get into this movie for reals. This is a Captain America movie. It is not an Avengers movie. Yes, we remember the big bombastic Avengers scene at the airport. And yes, the Avengers are sprinkled in throughout the movie. But the sprinkling in is what makes this a Cap movie. Every time we meet an Avenger separate from the team, they are all weighing in on Cap's decisions. This is the third and final movie in the Captain America storyline, and it makes sense that this arc has neared its ending. Helmet Zemo is a waste of space in this movie. The Sokovia Accords could have been enough if they were a smidge more creative with the layout of the Accords. But to push the emotional weight forward, they needed Zemo for the Tony Stark's mom angle, which I want to get into a little bit. For the past 12 movies... All we've seen is Tony Stark struggle with the relationship he had with his father. It's always been Tony living in Howard Stark's shadow. Not once, not once has his mom been mentioned until this movie. So did we really need her? Wouldn't the death of his father at the hands of Bucky have been enough? It just seemed shoehorned in. And honestly, it felt like they were tugging a little too hard on the heartstrings. After that, she's never mentioned again through the course of the movies beyond Civil War. And that is a major ding for me. After all, that would have kept your audience split on Cap's side or Tony's side. Instead, we nearly all go to Tony's side and Cap leaves general audiences despising his action. So what does this movie tell us? Well, it splits the team captains up nearly fatally. We get to see that the team can work without Tony Stark at the very beginning. Cap finally has enough oversight and realizes that the government is he believed in during the 40s is gone, and it's never coming back. He had his doubts in Winter Soldier, but now it's solidified. You get Helmet Zemo, a motivated man who just wants to break up the Avengers, and succeeds. Kind of. We get the Raft, the prison for enhanced individuals that holds not enhanced individuals. We get, we get introduced to Black Panther and Spider-Man. And we get our first movie where the villain, I think, is also our hero in Captain America. It reminds me of the line from Dark Knight, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Now, it's not really a whole lot, but part of that is because this movie is a moral question. What would you do if you were in Captain America's position? 
Would you still defend your best friend who was not in his right mind and brainwashed into killing Tony Stark's parents because he's really your final link to the life you might have had 70 years before? Would you have turned in your best friend knowing that you may be sending to prison an innocent psyche? Would you have told Tony Stark if you knew Bucky killed his parents? Would you have kept it quiet to spare Tony the pain of having to relive it all over again? What would you do? This is the most ethical and moral of the movies, and it makes us really question what is to come after the movie. At the time we first recorded this, JC was adamant that nothing could repair Tony and Cap's relationship after the death of Tony's mom was revealed. And JC hated Captain America for, ha- for keeping such a secret because, as JC defended his comments several times with, but it's his mom. And maybe that's what this movie was supposed to do. Get us talking about these ethical issues and moral questions. When I first reviewed this movie, I gave it an A-, then a B, and then a B+. Having seen its impact on the rest of the MCU landscape beyond this movie, I think it's nearly perfect. However, the angle with his mom that tilt the scales in a Captain America movie to support Tony Stark and question the rationale for Captain America's secrecy out of the blue like this, and the fact that Zemo comes out of nowhere to do this damage keeps it from being a perfect score for me. I'm giving this movie a B-plus again now. It's entertaining as heck, but when you dig deep, it's got some issues. All right, Steve, it's your turn, and I'm going to mute me. (laughs) You may go, my friend. All right, so my final say. First off, I was really excited to rewatch this movie. From the moment I heard this on the original podcast to now, I can't believe that I'm actually giving my two cents that are going to be a part of this film. It's absolutely a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. This movie definitely hits, as you as you had said, at a moral standpoint, which side is right and which side is wrong. Team Iron Man, Team Cap, they both have their legitimate arguments and defenses, and I love how this movie divides the audience. It hit me emotionally. I really felt like I had an opinion on the Sokovia Accords because I was also with the Avengers throughout all of their major adventures. It made me ponder. It was right. It was wrong. The mashup of characters is awesome. Damn. Marvel threw a crap load of you in terms of characters. Spider-Man to me was the biggest surprise. And the fact that at the end it's the Spider-Man will return is even better. From not being a fan to a mega fan now, Ant-Man, you are the man. (laughs) I'm more interested in that character than anyone that we have seen so far. But there are still some doozies to come in future films. Mm -hmm. My villain analysis. This was probably the toughest one. and I know I don't have a a bunch under my belt, but so far, this is the toughest one to nail down. But I would say, in my opinion, it's Baron Zemo. He's not your typical villain because he's a civilian. Yes, he has his militaristic background, but he was created by the vent, by the Avengers doings. He put his master plan in place and damn, did it work. He single-handedly dismantled the Avengers, just an unreal accomplishment in terms of character. I agree. He's kind of weak. I would put him on par with Ivan Vanko from Iron Man 2. The film seemed long when they traveled to Russia, but that was only because the airport scene was so climatic. 
they did a bomb of a drop when they revealed the footage of the Winter Soldier killing, killing the Starks. Tony's face said it all. And when Cap admitted to hiding the truth, all bets were off. It put Tony in a situation is how I would probably react the same. Tony has tunnel vision. And when he gets pissed off, he is so stubborn and he is so focused. Nobody can deter him from his line of thinking. On the flip side of that, I kind of get why Cap hid it from Tony. Bucky is his only family member that's left. And he will do anything to protect him. I think he finally realized that went totally to Bucky when he lost the love of his life earlier in the movie. This is the first film out of 13 that we've seen that has hit my moral compass. And it made me feel something after the end of this. Judging that in my book, on my scale, on how it, if it makes me feel something, this deserves an A- minus in my book. All right. Very well done, sir. Thank you. Uh, that puts Captain America Civil War, if you average our scores out, to a 10.5, a B plus. And here's where it gets funky, Steve, because unfortunately, Ant-Man has to go. Ant-Man's dropping mm-hmm. out of the Pantheon. But we have a situation. We already have two movies that are a B plus at 10.5. One is Marvel's The Avengers, and the other is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Now... The last time that we did this, Steve, I got the say as to where Winter Soldier was going to go. And this time I yield that to you. Where would you place Captain America Civil War in the Pantheon? Would you put right now it's Deadpool, Iron Man, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins. And then we've got Captain America Winter Soldier and Marvel's The Avengers. Where would you put it? So Civil War is at a 10.5, so it's tied with those two. Okay, so this is really tough. I know. (laughs) And I feel like if we both really talked about it, this would be our climatic Civil War. Um, (laughs) God, The Avengers is such a good movie because it's just a clash of everything. But so is this. Captain America, Winter Soldier, that is a very, very politically driven film that I know that we've both realized is just as pivotal. Yep. And then we got Civil War. Where I would place it among those two is this is how I would rank it. I definitely those first four are in. Yes. Number five would be Captain America, Civil War. Oh, <laughs> you took down my Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Number six would be Winter Soldier and Marvel's The Avengers would be seven. And we say goodbye to Scott Lang. Okay, that, just, that breaks my heart. Ant-Man, you were great for a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> but now our Pantheon, it, this is rounding out to be damn strong. Deadpool, Iron Man, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins. We have two Cap movies in a row in Civil War and The Winter Soldier, and then Marvel's The Avengers. I'm loving this. I could watch all these. Be happy. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, Steve? I absolutely loved it. I look forward to it every time. I, I'm, after watching it now, I look, I could, I'm ready to watch it again. Okay. What about I, you? I love this movie. It's just, it's just plain fun with, with, with some real adult decisions and perspectives that, that were needed to grow this franchise up a little bit. Winter Soldier grew it up a little bit. This one took it to another level. Yes, I agree. Uh, ultimate question, would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? What do you think? 
Yeah, they would love it because of the mashup of characters. It is a film that I it revitalizes the saga. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I love it. I, it. This is just a fun movie with great intros. And, you know, Black Panther was so big amongst the kids for a while. Spider-Man so big w- amongst the kids. I mean, the, ki- the, the characters that they added in, they were targeting the audiences and they nailed them. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Uh, but uh, there you go. That's our Civil War, Steve. Oh, it's all over. it's all over. Yeah. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the one I've been looking forward to for about eight or nine movies, Doctor Strange. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, uh, God, this is, this is going to be, I know I'm taking the view of not having to see anything prior to this, but this is probably going to be the toughest movie without trying to, without thinking that way. Okay. But I know what I've seen already. This, oh, yeah, this is going to be tough. See, usually when we do these movies, we set a date. And then I wait until as close to the date as possible before I watch the movie. I'm not lying. When this podcast is over, I'm going to watch Doctor Strange. I've been <laughs> waiting to watch this. Yeah, you've been you've been itching for months oh, to watch this one. I love this movie. Okay. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, and Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to Movie Planet Pod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts, and the Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, or approved or licensed or any of those things uh, by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. We are not bought and paid for by Disney, although we would love to. Please send us checks. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, is there anything you have left to give to the good of the order? So we've done 13, right? Yes. 13. So we've watched 13. We shot 13. Oh! (laughs) Thank you, Hawkeye. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. Thank you.